Okay, we are in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19. 1 Samuel chapter 19. And we're going we're gonna to start reading from verse 1. Now Saul told Jonathan, his son, and all his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father is seeking to put you to death. Now therefore, please be on guard in the morning and stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. If I find out anything, then I'll tell you. Then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Do not let the king sin against his servant David, since he's not sinned against you, and since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. For he took his life in his hand and struck the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You sought and rejoiced. Why then do you sin against the innocent innocent blood by putting David to death without a cause? Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan, and Saul vowed, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these words, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as formerly. When there was war again, David went out and fought with the Philistines and defeated them with, great, with a great slaughter, so that they fled before him. Now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in his house. And his spear was in his hand, and David was playing the harp with his hand. And Saul tried to pin David to the wall with his spear. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence. So he struck the spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him, in order to put him to death in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be put to death. So McCall let David down through a window, and he went out, and he fled and escaped. Okay, so what we saw was in, in chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, the first thing that, Paul, that Saul did is he became jealous of David, and he became particularly jealous of David when the women started singing praises to David more than the praise of, of Saul. And... Uh, um, so what Saul's response was is that Saul threw his spear at David and David escaped from him. That was the first time. That was back in chapter 18. And then Saul tried to have David killed by putting him before the Philistines in battle. And then he tried to have David killed by setting a dowry for his, his daughter of having to have David kill a number of the Philistines and da- kill 100 Philistines. And David ended up killing 200 and he wanted him killed in that encounter, but David survived that encounter. And now, Saul in, ver- in chapter 19 says, well, I'll just have my servants do it. In chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Saul told Jonathan, his son, and all his servants to put David to death. So imagine what David is living under now. Here is the king commanding all of his servants to put David to death. So, Jonathan, who loved David, informs him about this and says, Go hide yourself. I'm going to talk to my father on your behalf. So, he talks to his father, and his father relents and says, You know, you know you're right. You know, far be it from me to ever hurt him. And so, he comes, and, 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 uh, uh, and, and Saul says, You know, come on in, into my presence. Everything's okay. 
Well, so David went out and he begins to serve in the army again. And then it says David was serving before Saul. Here he was in, in, in the palace again. And there was an evil spirit that came upon Saul. And he again throws his spear at David in his own palace and David takes off. We will deal with people on occasion that have these sorts of behavioral patterns. You see it in this man. Here it says it was an evil spirit would come upon him. But there could be medical reasons why you see this, but David experienced this. And then it says, and then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch for him in order to put him to death in the morning. So, you're wondering, what is going through David's mind? What's going through David's mind as he's experiencing this? And interestingly enough, we get a picture precisely of what is going through David's mind in all of this. On this precise occasion, we have a snapshot of what David was thinking and doing before the Lord. If you turn to, to uh, Psalm 59. Psalm 59. This is a psalm that was written when Saul sent his servants, to David's house to kill him. And so let's get a picture of the way that, that uh, David deals with this. Because what I want you to see is how David is dealing with this difficulty. Psalm 59, let's start reading from verse 1. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Set me securely on high, away from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity. And save me from men of bloodshed. I mean, how can you get more specific than that? This is like, like when, when we write a proposal. The first thing that, that, that I teach my students to do when you write a proposal is you, you put the, the, the bottom line statement. What is your purpose in this proposal? Right up at the top, first thing, purpose statement. This is what I want to do. You don't want to have the reviewer have to read through you know, pages and pages of prose to figure out, what on earth does this person want to do? You say it right up front. Boom. This is what I want to do. David says, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Is there any question what David wants? I mean, sometimes we can come before the Lord and just babble about one thing or another and complaining about all sorts of situations and what's happening, and God is probably wondering, yes, uh, and, and what is it you'd like? I mean, and you just go on and on and on, just pouring out all this stuff without ever making a request. It says in, 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 in James that we do not receive because we do not ask. So the first reason why we do not receive things is because we never ask for things. We just never get up and ask for it. The first thing He does... You know, you think, oh, well, first you have to praise God, first you have to honor Him, and first you pray for other people, and you do it. Not when there's people around your house wanting to kill you. He says, deliver me from my enemies, O God. It is clear. This is His purpose statement. What is it you want from God? You have a petition? Say it. Go to Him and say it. You, you know, People come to my office, and it gets me in trouble at home. Because, in, and it, in fact, it got me in trouble this morning. Shereen's not here, so, so it got me in trouble with her this morning because she was telling me this story, and, and, you know, 
she would just jump around. You know, this person, this person was coming in, and I was losing track of the she's. You know, she this, she that. But there were several she's in this story. I didn't know who was saying what. And I said, stop. What did you do? And she looked at me all offended. Like, and I, sorry, sir, just go, go ahead. Tell me all about the she's. I'll figure it out somehow. But when students come to my office, I don't get in trouble because I can say this and I don't get in trouble. And, and so students will come and I say, what do you want from me? What is it that you want? And to just spit it out, say it. This is exactly the way he dealt with this. He came to God and he said it. He said, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Set me securely on high, away from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity and save me from men of bloodshed. I mean, how much more clear can it be? David says it. When we pray, we need to learn to go to God and say what... Say what's on our heart in what we want. What are we petitioning God for? It is wonderful to start out praising God and praying for other people. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have to remember to get around to, you know, what is the issue on our heart here? What is going on? Because if we want to see God move in our lives, we have to be able to, to share with Him and speak this word to Him. And this is what He does. And then He starts pouring it out and He talks about these men and what they're like. He says in verse 3, he says, for behold, they have set an ambush for my life. I mean, he's making it clear. He says, God, I know, they're out there to kill me. They're all around my house. Saul has commanded all of his men to kill me. And not all of his men were like Jonathan. You remember, eventually, we're going to meet a man named Doeg. And Doeg actually, you know, had no trouble killing people. Doeg went and killed something like around 80 priests and their whole families just for giving David some bread. Yeah. I mean, there, there were some really violent men around him. He says, Fierce men launch an attack against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. I mean, these really were fierce men. These were not, you know, college students. I mean, these were men that just, you know, would go out and say, let's, let's just go kill 50 Philistines just for the fun of it. I mean, these were tough guys. And they're all after David because the king has said, kill David. And plus, if we get David out of the way, then maybe we'll be commander in his place. They had no problem in killing David. Many of them. And so he, he, he starts to pour himself out in this way. And then he goes talking about, about them uh, um, further. Now, let's skip on down to verse 9. Because remember, this is a snapshot that God gives us of what David, this man after God's own heart, does in a time of trouble. You want to know the way the men of God responded? Here's how they responded in verse 9. Because of his strength, I will watch for you, for God is my stronghold. My God, in his loving kindness, will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. I mean, it's clear. He is proclaiming what God will do. He is proclaiming where he is in God. He says, my God, in his loving kindness, will meet me. My God will do this. You know, I was sharing on Friday night, I was speaking in a, in a church, in, in a Chinese church, and afterward, uh, uh, one young man came up to me, and he's, he's, uh, he's an assistant professor at a university here in town, and he's just started. And, you know, he said, I, I don't have this type of relationship that you were talking about. I'm a believer, but I, I don't have it. And I said, let me ask you something. 
how much do you really come before God and spend time with Him? He said, well, you know, I, I really haven't made much time for that. I said, well, you, you know, you get what you give into this thing. God will never force Himself upon you. It is there. Because His, his complaint was, you have this, and I don't have this. What's going on? And I said, if you want this, this is there for you. You can have this. David proclaimed, he said, my God in his loving kindness will meet me. He was convinced of that, that God will meet me in his loving kindness. He will meet me. In, 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 verse, in verse 10, my God will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. He was just proclaiming. What was going to happen? You know, another student there raised his hand. He said, you know, the Bible says that um, uh, uh, you should love your neighbor and you should never be in competition with anyone. And I said, I know the loving your neighbor part. I don't know where this verse, you should never be in competition with anyone. I said, you know, I've, I've read this book several times, many times. I don't know that verse. Could you find that verse for me? And, you know, there was this blank stare. So what happens in our own mind, we get these images of what God has told us to do and not do, and we even attribute it to Scripture when it may not be there. I said, so much in life of what we do in our careers and the things that are before us, we're praying and seeking and seeking God. And, and I said, you know, even I gave him this example because I had just spoken about about uh, one of my graduate school experiences, and I said, you know, we, we were making this, I, w- I was synthesizing this one particular compound, it, it, was a, it was a natural product, and a visitor to the university had come and said, oh, uh, Professor Paquette at Ohio State, and now Paquette has over a thousand publications, I mean, this guy was a great synthetic chemist, and uh, Professor Paquette's group is working on that same compound from the same intermediate so here I was, a graduate student, and you know this huge group with a powerful synthetic group is working on making the same compound from the same intermediate. You know, so what do I do? I, I get up to the point of publishing, of, of writing up my thesis, and then somebody comes out with the same thing from the same intermediate. So what I, I pray and I said, Lord, you know, show me, show me what I need to know to get this thing made quickly, Lord. Father, I pray for your grace to be poured out. And boom, 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 the thing was done. And we won. So what am I supposed to say? Oh, I pray that Professor Paquette's group gets it first and that my thesis is just trashed. And they no, I'm going to pray to God for help. I'm going to pray to God for help. Oh, well, David, you know, he's not a good Christian. He should just give himself up and just say, you know, oh, your, your will be done, Lord. You know, go ahead. If this is what you've been commanded to do, just take me away. No, he didn't do that. David said, my God will do this. Now look at what David does in verse... Jump on down to... uh, um, uh, Look at verse 14. Look at what he he says about these men who are coming to kill him. They return at evening. They howl like a dog. They go around the city. They wander about for food. They growl if they are not satisfied. I mean, he says, these men that are coming against me, they're vicious, Lord. Does God stop and say, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not going to put that in my Bible. We're not going to let that come out. No, he's exposing to us what it is to have a relationship in prayer. 
This guy was pouring out his heart. Now look at what he does in verse 16. But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. I mean, look at this. Here he is. This is this night that they're surrounding his house, waiting for him to come out to kill him. He says, but as for me, I shall sing of your strength. I shall do it. I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. Meaning that I will get through this night and in the morning I'm going to sing again. I'm going to sing now and I'm going to sing in the morning. You see what he's done? He has taken this and he has, has just taken this and put it upon himself. I shall do this. I mean, you shall do this. You don't know what the future holds. I do. I shall sing of your strength. You can do this. What I'm saying is you can do this. And the devil can't stop you from doing this. The only person who can stop you from doing this is yourself. The enemy can't stop you. He has been defeated. It is yourself. Will you take this in faith that say, I shall succeed in this. Lord, this is what you put before me. This is the speaking that I have to do. This is the Bible study I have to teach. This is the exam I have to take. Lord, I shall succeed. You take God at His word and you start calling it in for yourself. He says, but as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. You say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Whatever you're going through, it's not what this guy was going through in this instant. In this instance, what he is going through is more than any of us will probably ever go through. Then he says, For you have been my stronghold and my refuge in the day of my distress. He says, My stronghold is you, God. He is proclaiming around himself the stronghold of God. Look at what he's doing. He is setting himself up with this strength, with this physical strength in this particular situation. And he's a young man at this time. He is probably around your age at this time. He's a young man at this time. And he's setting himself up with all of these things. He says, God, you are my fortress. You are my strength. In verse 17, O my strength, I will sing praises to you. For God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. He says, you are my strength. Did you ever wake up in the morning and you feel like... I just can't do today all the things that I have to do today. Have you ever felt that? Like every day? (laughs) I feel this way too. And I come before God and I say, God, I commit this day to you. I commit what's before me to you. Lord, bless the work of my hands. Lord, bless the relationships. Bless the people that I'll come in contact with. Lord, Father, help me. Let me bind kindness and truth around my neck. As the scriptures say, bind kindness and truth around your neck. Because, Lord, I don't want to blow people away as I'm trying to get all these things done. Father, help me. You do this. You pick the word of God up and you pray it back to yourself. For God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. God is my stronghold. He is again proclaiming, God, you love me. You know, why does he have to say this? Well, I already know God loves me. I don't have to say it again and again and again. No, David said it. God who shows me loving kindness. God loves me. He will see me through. You know, if if you're ever in trouble and you want prayer, you call my wife. She is very, very good at this. 
When someone's in real trouble, she just gets with them and she just starts praying. And all her prayers are the book of Psalms. She just starts praying the book of Psalms over them. And it's just amazing to see her go one psalm after another, after another, praying over them. This very book, the book of Psalms, she prays these words over them because she takes these words and applies it to the life of individuals. She takes this word and applies it. If you look at her Bible in the book of Psalms, I mean, just so much is just underlined, underlined, underlined. And she's not like me that, you know, takes scripture verses and stick it in her pocket and memorize and memorize. She doesn't do that. She just, just gets engrossed in the scriptures and becomes a part of her life. You take this word and you make it a part of your life. One of the guys that I used to go into the prisons with at times, his name was John Penny. He was the biggest drug dealer in Columbia, South Carolina. Atlanta drug dealers had sent to have him killed so they could have the business. He was a big black man, very strong. I mean, the man was like an animal. And he loved the Lord so much. So anyway, they came, they shot him in the back. The bullet hit his shoulder blade and came out and fell on the ground. It was just amazing. He said that convinced him. He came to God after that. But what was amazing, and I told you this before, he would put on his walls, his little house, He would take scripture verses and insert his name in that verse. I, John, am more than a conqueror. And he showed me because I wanted to see why was it that he had responded so well to the gospel and come so far in the Lord and had never turned back. To this day, he's never turned back and he's known the Lord for 30 years. How did it happen? You go into his house and he's got uh, uh, pieces of paper all over the wall that are written by hand where he's taken scripture verses and the, and the whole thing, one piece of paper is one verse where he's inserted his name and he marches around his little house and he takes those scripture verses and applies them to his own life. How dare he take the word of God that was written for somebody else and apply it? No, it was written for us. God has done this. You take this word, you apply it to your life and it will raise you above other people. It will raise you ab- above your companions. You will excel more than others. You will excel in your work. You will excel at the work of your hands. You will excel in relationship. Because God promises this. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have success. And prosperity in the Lord is not money. Prosperity in the Lord is not fame. Prosperity is that wherever we are, we are functioning with joy and, 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 and with, with success in whatever we do. You can meet a truck driver that is very successful in the Lord. Just beaming. You can go to the truck stop and you can tell who it is that's beaming. You know, a lot of times I'll meet people in the city and I can just look in their face and they're beaming. And I say, I'll, I'll, you, know, you know, in fact, if I meet an African American in the city of Houston, it's just a beaming smile and glowing. You know what I say to them? I said, I, I bet you go to Lakewood Church. Yeah, I do. How do you know that? I just tell. I can just tell. I can tell that what God is doing in their life and what's happening to them in that church. So in other words, you take this word of God and you make it, make it a part of your life. And this is what David did. This is why if you look in, 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 in what we just read in, uh, in 1 Samuel, what, it, what happened? It says that that night, that night, um, if we go back there, that... In 1 Samuel, it said that Saul sent messengers to put David to death. In verse 11, then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him. 
in order to put him to death in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be put to death. So Michal let David down through a window, and he went out, and he fled, and he escaped. This guy is so engrossed in writing Psalm 59, and worshipping God, and singing to God, his wife is like, You had better get out of here. You're not going to last for the morning. I mean, she has to even pull him out of this. You know, because he's so in tune with God. Writing this song. Writing this song and saying, you are my strength. What was he doing? Was he writing that because he felt that in this situation, I'm going to start writing the Bible. You know, was he writing that because he thought he was writing the Bible? No, how did he know that? He had no idea of that. In fact, the promise of his great fame that, that was going to extend didn't come till later on during, in his kingship. But, but um, uh, here he is writing this. This is just his little personal tablet, you know, his little personal, I don't know, papyrus or whatever they used in those days. You know, this, this is what he was doing. He was just writing this for himself. This is what he was doing. You take your little piece of paper, your little notepad, and you start writing this thing. And you proclaim this to God. Just take this word on your life. So much so that his, finally his wife says, you know, they're out there to kill you. Let me at least let you down through the window so you can get out of here. He says, okay, well, that's not a bad idea. I better, better get moving because I was just talking with God about how I plan on singing to him in the morning. So, so she lets him down out the window. Now an interesting event occurs in, in chapter 19, verse um, 12. So Michal let David down through a window, and he went out and he fled and he escaped. Michal took the household idol and laid it on the bed and put a quilt of goat's hair at its head and covered it with clothes. And Saul sent messengers to take David, and she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent messengers to see, da- to see, uh, to see David, saying, bring him up to me. I'm sorry, then Saul sent messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me on his bed, that I may put him to death. When the messengers entered, behold, the household idol was on the bed, with the quilt of goat's hair at its head. So Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me like this, and let my enemy go, so that he escaped? And Michal said to Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why Why should I put you to death? Okay, so Michal actually lied. Michal said, you know, David had threatened her. And, and uh, um, uh, you, you can do with that as you like. I have heard it, it preached that if it's to save human life, that it's okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, I was going to get to that. I wasn't passing over that. This is an amazing thing. I have told people that David had an idol in his house. They go, no, 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 not David. I mean, he's... He was a man after God's own heart. You know, David messed up with Bathsheba, but he didn't have idols. No, David very much had an idol in his home. You know what, what's great about that? It gives me hope. It gives me hope that when my life is not perfect, God still loves me. Here is a man who is writing Psalm 59. And in his home is an idol. And the, the idol is not this size. Because that idol, the idol is not four inches. The idol has to be somewhat life-size for McCall to be able to put that in the bed, put a blanket over it, put a goat's hair on its head, and the servants of Saul come in and go, oh yeah, David is there. 
You know, if, if it was this big on the bed, they wouldn't go, oh, yeah, that's David, right, we understand. No, this was a life-size idol in his home. And you could argue, well, that was McCall's idol and not David's idol. I mean, this is one in the same home. I mean, they share the home. Now, David may not have been worshipping the idol. Maybe it was McCall's idol. It may well have been. But it was still David's home. And we know that there was a window there. He could have thrown it out the window any time he wanted to. But he didn't. And, and I understand that. Even if it was McCall's. I, I mean, if, if you take your family member's stuff and throw it out the window, everything that you don't like, I mean, you don't have a family anymore. I mean, it, it breaks up really quick. But here was an idol in his home. And it had to be a life-size idol in his home. You know, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to say with that? Other than, this is why I love this book. Because these men are not perfect. These men are not perfect. Was David a prophet? Yes, he was. He was a psalmist. He was a prophet. You read the book of Psalms. I mean, he's just prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. I mean, it's just amazing what a prophet he was. Was he a servant of God? Yes. He was a man after God's own heart. But he had an idol in his home. Even if he didn't worship it. He had an idol in his home. I mean, our families are not perfect. I I don't like people to stay in my home overnight. We have a guest room above the garage. I don't want them to see what I'm really like. You know, one day my my son, he was about about, uh, 11 or 12 years old... He asked me what duplicitous means. I said, well, duplicitous is, is when, you, when, you, when you give the impression you're one way and you really do another thing. I said, so for example, I treat you the same whether you know, it's just me and you or whether other people are around. He says, no, you don't. You treat me much better when other people are around. <laughs> I said, well, now you know what duplicitous is. <laughs> and... You know, this is why I don't like visitors staying in the home too much, because I have to be on my best behavior all the time. It gets hard after a while. We put them up in the guest room. This is for you. Stay up in the guest room. It's got a separate entrance. It's hard. Family life is hard. And people, you know, know, what happens in families, there's things. So if, if, if the Bible were written, if it were written that it started recording all the things in my home, for everyone, forever to read about all the things that they might find in my home, I'm not sure I'd, I'd like that. Do you know what I mean? And there's experiences that you have with your children that don't make you evil in God's eyes. It may not be the best thing. It may not be good to be duplicitous in the way I am with my children. But I really try the best I can. I really do try. The Scriptures reveal things to us. Why would the Bible do this? And you know, it's history. If history were written by the kings, I am sure, as First Samuel is being compiled, that David would have had that deleted. He would have had that whited out. He would have had that cut out. But history in Israel was not recorded by the kings. In fact, history today is recorded by nations. If you read, for example, about what, what, what the British, what the UK has written about the Falklands War. There was a war in the Falklands when I was in college. And so the, the, the Brits were fighting in the Falklands. And they have rewritten history 
from their perspective, they have rewritten history. They botched that war so badly. And they've rewritten history. This happens. But history in this book was not kept by the kings or by the people in power. It was kept by the prophets. Had it been kept by the kings, this would have been stricken. This is the amazing thing about this book, is that it reveals everything. Um, if, if you look at Will Durant, who wrote The History of Civilization, he has this chapter called, called, uh, um, called uh, uh, Caesar and Christ. So it's, it's eight volumes. It's huge. It was his life's work, History of Civilization. So there's this chapter called, called Caesar and Christ. And what he says, as a historian, and he was not a Christian, he was actually an agnostic Jew, he said that, that this book, the account that we have in the Gospels, has to be accurate. Because you see the Gospel writers writing about themselves in less than a flattering manner. In other words, writing again and again on how they lacked faith. If I were writing the Gospels, I would never write about myself of how I lacked faith. I may not, I just wouldn't mention it. You, you see what I mean? This is what happens when people were recording history. This is God. God is recording this. And this is the beautiful thing about this book. David's life was not perfect, even when he's serving God. So I can be out preaching and you know, doing some great work and come home and get angry and upset. And actually, I have examples of that in my own life. In fact, recently. You know, so I was out late at this Chinese church speaking. And, and Chinese are not like me in that Chinese stay up really late. So I didn't start speaking until after 8 p.m. And I had worked all week. And so remember, I get to campus at 6 a.m. And so by the time I leave campus at dinner time, you know, I've been there around 12 hours. So here I've worked an extra hour. Then I go drive down in Missouri City to this church. And so it's 8 p.m. before I start speaking. I get done speaking about 9 and then question and answer. So I'm there till like 10.30, I mean, because, you know, these are all students, and so they're just waking up. And so they're asking me all these questions, and it goes on and on, and God did a powerful work. And I get home, and my son is there, and, you know, I asked him something, and he said something, and I didn't hear him, and I, and I got all upset with him. I said, well, what's going on? Here I am, Joe Preacher, and the next second I'm coming home all tired, and I'm like this. Has this ever happened to you? Does this ever happen to you? Does this happen to Navigator people, too? Does it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, this is what life is. And it doesn't all of a sudden mean that God doesn't like you anymore. I mean, we are who we are. God loves us and we proclaim these things. And yeah, maybe the idol in his house wasn't the best thing. But it didn't stop his whole life. And he didn't dwell on this thing saying, oh my goodness, now it's... You know, everybody, all these... All these Soldiers are going to come into my home looking for me and see the, the idol in my house. Oh no, and now a word's going to get out. Now David's just going on. He says, I will sing your praise in the morning. I will sing your praise in the morning. Now, did David always stay at this high? The answer is no. You're going to see other occasions where David had these low points where he, he was just saying, you know, there's no way I can live. I better go, you know, fight on the side of the Philistines. He tried to join the Philistine army. He did. I mean, doesn't that sound ridiculous? Try to join the enemies of your, your, your nation? You know, people that he had killed thousands of. He went, he tried to join their army. 
I mean, this is a real low point in his life. Just because you have a low point doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. God will raise you up again. You will raise up again. This is the beauty of this book. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word, the truth of it. Father, I pray that you would help us to take what is written here, to teach us to pray, to teach us to put petitions and requests before you, to teach us to pour out our hearts before you, like this man David did, even in the midst of extreme troubles. And Father, I thank you that our weaknesses do not separate us from you. Father, I thank you for the truth of that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Father, thank you that you understand us. You know our weaknesses. Father, thank you that you love us. Lord, I pray for these young people, that you would so work and move in their lives, that they would learn to pick up the Word of God and make that a part of their lives, that they wouldn't neglect this, that they wouldn't keep the Word of God from being deeply set within their lives. Father, let them start out in this young age in the right way. And Lord, protect them, I pray. Your grace and mercies be upon them. And Father, I pray that you would reassure them again and again of your love. In the name of Jesus, amen.